Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. Hey there, we hope you are having an awesome day. Today, we get the opportunity to share an amazing interview we had with Sarah Hagerty. Sarah is an author, a mom of seven, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she found time to write a book, and she just wrote this book called Adore, and babe, you are devouring this thing. Yeah, it's so good. I love this whole practice of adoration. It is really impacting my life, Um, and Sarah does a beautiful job of really unpacking what this practice can look like in the messy middle minutes of our everyday life. The middle minutes are I'm sauteing onions, I'm putting my mail in the mailbox, I'm walking my dog, I'm sitting in the line at the DMV, I'm in the carpool line. Like those times when really if I don't start to see those as being the ones where my heart really gets formed, then I get to be really good at the big things. But I, in most of my life, I'm not really living in communion with God. We truly enjoyed our conversation with Sarah and we know you will as well. So without further ado, here is Sarah Haggerty. Well, hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. We're glad you're here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, guys. Well, we're excited. We're excited to jump to this new project. But first, for everyone listening at home, who is Sarah? Tell us a little bit about you. you know, she's I crazy. Know you, she's a crazy gal. <laughs> <laughs> Got some kids. Which is, <laughs> that in itself like is I crazy. Said, she's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I have, uh, I'm married and uh, we say we fell in love after being married for seven years. So we've been married for 18. We've had 11 really good years of marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have seven kids ranging all the way from 16 down to three slash four months and a lot of surprises in there. We didn't necessarily set out to have a massive family, but we adopted from Ethiopia and Uganda after we were married for about eight years and then um, had three kind of progressively more surprising pregnancies after that. So after 13 years of marriage, we sort of ended a very long season of infertility. I think everyone listening at home was like, I wasn't focused, but now I am. <laughs> Seven children. Like, what does she have person? to say? Yeah. What is my sister's like, uh, Sarah, I can't even like say to people you have seven kids because it just like no one knows what to say. That's so weird. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You know, obviously we have five children and it, you just hit the edge of like almost every seat in the vehicle is full or it is full. No one can ride with you. Yes. But when you have a family of nine, so yeah. that's seven children, there's oh, two adults. Have, yes, we have totally outlived the very cool suburban, and now we just have a van, y'all. Like, yeah, my vanity is down the drain. You just have to go with it. <laughs> well, I tried to figure out how we could fit this many in a suburban, and my best friend was like, uh, no more, that's vanity. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. That's the small vehicle. Yeah, just riding the small car, the little suburban yeah. over there. Pick a few kids. All right, so I want to I want to hear. I mean, I can't wait to talk about this brand new project you've done. I mean, it's really is a great book, and there's going to be so much that can help people. But take a second and talk about your journey as an author. Like, when did you decide? Like, okay, I want to start writing. How did it come about? How did you end up there? Oh, that's a fun story because I really never wanted to publish a book. I um, have always been a book nerd. Like as a kid, I just would read all the time. 
And then when we started our started adopting, that was like in the early days of blogging, you know, remember those days and you'd have like a blog roll around the one side of your blog that linked to other blogs. And we really just started a blog to keep our family up to speed on our adoption. And I wanted that link along the side to other adoptive blogs because I wanted our family to know that we weren't crazy, that there were other people who were doing this. And I had a friend who uh, was a writer, published author, and she reached out to me and she's like, hey, I just want you to know, I think you can write. And honestly, sometimes I think we just need like one person, maybe outside of our spouse, because I think my husband was saying that to me all along. But you know, sometimes we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I heard her reaching out and saying, I think you can write. It was like it ignited something in me. And I'm like, well, she's legit because she's a published author. And if she thinks I can write. And so then I just started working on a book. And I really, in working on a book, I had no desire to publish. I mean, I even like dug my heels in the ground and said, babe, this one's going between our mattresses. This manuscript, I'm just tucking between the mattress and I am not going to let anybody read it. But then I put this fleece out, you know, and my husband's like, God doesn't always work that way. But I'm like, put this fleece out. Well, Lord, if you want me to publish a book, do something in the next month. And within a few weeks, I got an email from somebody I didn't know who was connected in the publishing world. And she said, I think you can write. I want you to consider writing a book and I'll do whatever I can to help you get it out there. And more than her words was this, wait a second, well, shoot, I just prayed mm-hmm. and this happened. And so it's sort of snowball and the publishing process that was pretty unconventional for me because I think I was resisting it so much. Honestly, just so afraid. You know, we creative types, we get super scared about sharing our work. And so I was so afraid. And I think the Lord probably just flung the doors open because here I was like little five-year-old on the first day of kindergarten. I don't want to do this. (laughs) And so the Lord just made it easy for me to publish because the harder thing was my fear. So so tell us about the first two books. I know one was Unseen. Was yeah, my, my, so my first book was called Every Bitter Thing is Sweet pro, okay. from Proverbs 27.7. The satiated soul loathes the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. And I wrote about our, in a span of 10 years, infertility, marriage, struggles. My dad was diagnosed with cancer and died. Just lots of, just a hard decade. And I wrote about finding God in that. Mm-hmm. And then my second book, Unseen, came out two and a half years ago. And um, the subtitle really tells it all. It's the gift of being hidden in a world that loves to be noticed. I just wow. wrote about the power of hiddenness in our current culture. I love that. And now here we are with this new book, Adore. So tell us about the practice of adoration and kind of how you landed on this topic for this book. So it started um, nine or 10 years ago. I was having coffee with a friend and we were kind of in the throes of infertility and just hard stuff in our life. And I was just chatting with her about life. And at the end of the conversation, she, I think really heard the cynicism in my voice and cynicism is a pretty good indicator that there's a lot brewing underneath the surface. And she was like, have you thought of adoration? Have you considered doing adoration? And I like cycled back to like when I had first become a believer through young life and was taught this acronym, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, acts. And I was like, sure. I've done adoration. I do adoration every day, right? Doesn't everybody adore, you know? And she was like, no, I really mean like putting the word of God in your mouth and speaking it back to him. And I think mainly I, because she had seen that my cynicism and my negativity, it like got me going, I think I want to try this. And so I had, there was a book that had different characteristics of God associated with scripture. And I started with that and then moved to the Psalms 
And as I did, I just started to realize like, oh, there's a lot of passages in here that I say that I believe, but like if I really dig underneath it, I don't actually believe that he's going to rescue me. I don't actually believe he's going to restore my kids. I don't actually believe that he can heal my heart. And so it kind of became a growing practice as I started to realize how much of my life didn't really align with the word of God, more so how much of my thought life didn't align with the word of God. That's so good. And I I want you to talk a little bit more for people listening who are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is adoration and how do we practice that in our intimacy with God? That's a great question because it's probably like 99% of people are like, what is that? I don't even know how to spell it. So (laughs) please just take your time and help us. Let's level the playing field. That's how I felt too. Um, well, I can say practically, here's what it looked like recently. We had a really hard year in 2019. We've got four of our oldest children. Uh, we adopted at older ages internationally. And as they're coming into adolescence, the reality of trauma is just um, new and fresh and hard. And so as all of that was surfacing, I had this surprise pregnancy. So here I am, 41, 42, super tired, very like feeling like I'm in an 80-year-old body carrying this baby and my kid's going through some pretty intense things. So adoration for me at that stage, even like nine years into it, it still feels really fresh. I spent a good portion of the year on Psalm 23. And so I just would sit before God. Here, we'll just start with Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this is what adoration looked like. I really will say, I think it's the nexus of like what we're actually thinking and feeling and God's word. So I wouldn't sit there and go, you're my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me see it 20 times and maybe I'll start to feel it. (laughs) Instead, it was like, your word says that you're my shepherd and I shall not want. And most of today feeling like there are things that I want that I cannot get and you're not shepherding me. God, I don't feel shepherded. I feel alone. I feel like we're on an island here and I don't know that we're ever going to get off this island. And then I look at your word and your word says you're my shepherd. So God, I'm just going to say it's really hard for me to believe this, but I adore you that you're my shepherd. God, you shepherd me. You're shepherding my heart. You're shepherding my kids' hearts. You're shepherding this moment. I don't feel it right now, but I adore you that this is what your word says and this is who you are. And it's that back and forth of like me being really honest and bare and then bringing it to his word and saying, can you change this minute? Can you change this, not minute, like can you change this minute right right now? But I mean like this minute in my life, God, can you intersect here and bring your presence? And that's what adoration looks like you said something there that was so key that you don't just declare the truth. You're honest with the truth, sitting with the truth. And, you know, we've been talking so much lately about the idea that change begins with honesty. It just does. Yes. There That's is so no good. change yeah. without honesty. There's not because as long as I'm, I'm avoiding the truth, I can't change. Nothing's going to change without me being really honest and admitting where I am. And then I can begin to change. Then I can be open to the truth of God's word and let it change me. So I thought that was so huge that you said that, that we sit with the honesty and then we move towards truth and change. That was so good. Yeah. I mean, you talk in the book about, you know, this idea of adoration and, you know, our life is... 110 miles an hour we're connected to the phones Mm -hmm. we're you know we were not meant for this amount of stimulation that we have every single day but it is the world that we have and so you give this idea of the middle minutes in our days Mm -hmm. um that we can kind of plug in this idea this thought of adoration 
What does this mean for you? What are you, what are you saying when you say the middle minutes of our day? Well, I think a lot of times we sort of live for the big moments in God. You know, like the, I started a foundation, I adopted a child, I grew my family, I um, wrote a book. And really, if like those would, if we would pan those out over a lifespan, there may be like 10 or 20% of our life. And so if I live for that, then I actually maybe can get pretty fluent in like experiencing God, encountering God in those big things. But like, what about the other 80%? And I would say those are the middle minutes. The middle minutes are I'm sauteing onions. I'm putting my mail in the mailbox. I'm walking my dog. I'm sitting in the line at the DMV. I'm in the carpool line. Like those times when really, if I don't start to see those as being the ones where my heart really gets formed, then I get to be really good at the big things. But I, in most of my life, I'm not really living in communion with God. And, and I don't say that like, oh, those people over there. Like, I think the reality is I'm looking at my own life going, at the end of my life, I want to have lived in communion with God. But there are so many minutes that can go unaccounted for in a day. Yes, that's so good. Um, yeah, that's really good. You talk about adoring God and this practice of adoring God when we don't feel like it. <laughs> and the reality Which is, is all the time, <laughs> right? It's all the time. Like you talk about in the middle minutes, you know, when you're tired, when you have a flat tire or, you know, your kid forgets their lunch or anything, any surprise that can come our way throughout the day and choosing in those small middle minutes to adore him and to practice that being honest and aligning our lives with this truth, aligning our hearts with this truth. Talk about what that's looked like in your life and how you've guided your soul um, when you don't feel like it to adore him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can just honestly say I wrote a book about adoration and I still have to have my husband tell me about every other day. Hey, babe, could you like just go get alone with God and adore? <laughs> like, and I'm like, no, I actually just want to be mad right now. Can I just like be mad? <laughs> You know, I, so, so the reality is I think our flesh is just so prone to a quick fix, but I would say for me practically, it looks like I get a text and it sends me spinning and I start to notice my heart's racing and I'm feeling anxious. And that's an indicator to me when my heart races and I'm sweating and feeling anxious. That's like my pause to go, this is the time to talk to God. And so I step aside, I slide into my laundry room. If I do someplace in my house and I open my Bible and I say, God, I'm feeling super anxious and I really want to resolve this right now. And your word says that you give a peace that passes all understanding and it guards my heart and my mind. So I'm just going to adore you and say, guard my heart and my mind. I adore you that you guard my mind. You guard my mind right now. So it looks like that. It looks like from a text that makes me anxious. It looks like a kid that's unraveling and I'm getting angry and I go, when I get angry, that's a pretty good indicator. There's something in my heart that needs his tending. So I'm going to pause as best as I can pause and step aside and go, even though it's two 30 on a Monday afternoon, it's not during my morning quiet time. Mm -hmm. This is actually the best time to talk to God. Yeah. And definitely in a laundry room. Cause no one's going in there to do anything. <laughs> I know. Well, no, I have, let me clarify in my laundry room. So here's what's happened. What happens with our laundry is any clothes that just don't fit in our drawer, we don't feel like putting away, go back in the laundry room. Oh, so actually the laundry room speaking, is the catch-all. There's yeah. a moment to be, go have a moment with God. That's Jenny's like. That is my pet peeve. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, is this a this clean week we actually shirt said, maybe in we the dirty laundry? Yeah. <laughs> 
this week we were like, maybe we should start having them pay for the water bill. Like, is it, are they too young? <laughs> yes. I started charging per piece of clothing. If I find a piece of clean clothes back in the laundry, <laughs> I'm charging you. That's ridiculous. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you said the word practical. And I think one of the things that's so neat about this, this project, about this book is that you kind of break down the 30 characteristics of God and different ways that we can adore him and have those conversations with him. So what's a few of you for you that are your most impactful or most important to you? Um, you know, honestly, in here in the back, um, the, the way that I came up with those 30 is I pulled people and these were actually the 30 that were that most, I didn't even give a list. I just said, Hey, what sides of God do you wrestle with the most? These nice. were the ones. Wow. The not so ironic thing is every single one of them I could identify with. Like I was like, whoa, you know, I think we have these big things that were like, oh, I really struggle to believe he provides, you know, or I struggle to believe that he heals. But like, if we get a little bit below the surface, the reality is struggle with a lot of who God is. So I love the God who likes me. That's the one that's 21 in the book. Because I feel like even at, at my age and just the road I've been on, I'm really discovering like that there's more than just, oh, God loves me, like that there is a personal engagement where he looks at me and he enjoys me. And when I fail, he's not shaking his finger at me. So I've, ha I've been on that road, but I will still say at 42, I feel like there's so many more layers here. Like. As a mom, do I really believe on my worst day with my kids that I can get alone with God and he still likes me? You know, as a writer, when I'm like, man, I'm investing myself in something that just flops. Can I really go, I might feel like I don't like me, but do you like me? So this particular characteristic of God, you know, the verse at the top is Psalm 104, 31, the Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. And if I get quiet and honest before God in my worst moments, I have a really hard time believing that he does like that. He really takes pleasure in me. And so this is for me, it's been a key for adoration. Okay. Right now I feel like I stink at being a mom and I'm kind of not doing a great job of being a wife. And so in general, I would, I would label my life as mostly failing, but I get before you and your word tells me that you take pleasure in me, that you actually enjoy me and that you enjoy me even now. Your enjoyment isn't like up and down. Like you like me today, you don't like me tomorrow. You like me today, you don't like me tomorrow. But like it's a steady, you made me and you like me. And so I'm telling my weak heart and telling God, I adore you that you take pleasure in me, that you like me, that you... And even just like one minute of that in the middle of the afternoon where you feel like you've totally failed something, I feel like it shifts the landscape in our minds. Absolutely. Gosh, girl, I can so resonate with that. I think every parent listening can totally resonate. We, we just, the interview before this, we talked about raising teenagers. <laughs> oh, the, I need to listen to that. Oh, yes. <laughs> the highs and lows. Oh my gosh. There are so many highs and lows. And someday you feel like this is the best thing ever and then there's no, days, no, some hours some, some hours <laughs> then the next the minute you're like <laughs> i have failed as a parent i've ruined my kid um but i gosh i just resonate so much with what you're saying i literally this morning i was listening to that bethel song you won't let go you know over and over you won't let go mm -hmm. you won't let go and there's a line that says you're faithful beyond my weakness that's and it so just good. got me like, oh gosh, yeah, you are faithful. Even when I am weak, even when I mess up and I think I've ruined my kid because I forgot this or I said this or I, you know, did something wrong, you 
are faithful beyond my weakness. So I love that. I, I want to talk about our protector, the adoration that you wrote about yeah. him being our protector. Um, that really stuck out to me. So talk about that um, attribute of God and how you have found um, places in your life to really hold on to that. Yeah, well, it's actually interesting. I can't even remember if I wrote specifically about this in the book, but there was a season of time where accusation became not only something that I assumed from another person, but it was really over and written and written to me and to other people about me and, and such that it became a potential, a little bit of a potential physical threat. And so here I am like, this is crazy. We live a pretty normal life. Like this, these kind of things happen to crazy people, but you know, somehow <laughs> here, here I am crazy again, but this was before we had seven kids. And I, um, I really realized like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to lock my doors and um, we live in the country. I hadn't done that before. And so I'm starting to lock doors and to kind of look, look over my shoulder. And I'm realizing like, I actually really don't believe that God is going to protect me. Like this scenario makes me feel completely vulnerable and naked. And so I went through the Bible and searched out scripture and passages about God as protector. And I wrote him in a moleskin journal and I carried that moleskin with me. I mean, I can still even right now, you know, how you can picture certain moments in your life because they were so real. Like I can remember like straightening my hair one morning for church on a Sunday with that moleskin like propped on my sink because I'm like choking back tears. Like I am afraid, God, I'm afraid for my safety. And here I am just going through these verses going, you protect me. And it's this back and forth of me saying, I am so afraid. I have some legitimate facts that leave me fearful. It's not like I'm just afraid of the, the boogie, boogie man under my bed. Like I am actually afraid. But your word says that you protect me. And I, over and over again, I'm reading through these scriptures. Proverbs 35, he is a shield to those who put their trust in him and going, I don't feel shielded, but your word tells me that you shield me. And it's almost like creating a new neuro pathway. Like my brain just wants to go to fear and playing out worst case scenarios. And I'm creating a new way for my brain to function where I actually am starting to believe that he's a shield because as I say it, you know, the scripture in Proverbs says the power of life and death is in the tongue. So I, as I say his word back to him, coupled with my honesty, it's like, it's forming a new way in me where I'm starting to believe that he's a shield. You know, such that I can even say this now without my heart racing. Like for a, for a long time after this happened, I couldn't even talk about it without my heart racing. But right now I, I can because I feel like, wow, the real mark of that stretch of time was I learned he was my shield. Yeah. So I, I would love to know, how has this practice of adoration changed you? How has it changed your life? How has it changed your heart and your relationship with God? Oh, such a great question. Well, you know, experts say we have anywhere from like 40 to maybe 60,000 thoughts a day, which is kind of crazy. And I remember I would read verses like pray without ceasing and think to myself, like that goes great on a church wall. But like, I don't, I just don't even know how I get there. But when I realized how many thoughts I have in a day and like that, that is kind of unchartered territory. It's like unclaimed real estate in a sense, like I think sometimes when we feel maximum capacity, we want to move our schedules around. Mm -hmm. But if we start to look at our thought life, we go, wait, there's room there. And for me, I would say the way that it's changed me is I have seven kids and I'm a high introvert and I like long hours by myself and I homeschool. Like how do those things all fit together? Like they don't. They don't. don't. They don't. And so, so for me, I feel like the place that it's changed me is realizing like, hey, there's capacity and place for growth in my mind when there's things in my life that I cannot move. 
Mm. So like I'll say to my husband, I can't, you know, you say take things off your plate. I'm not somebody who overcommits. I tend to not be somebody who says yes to too many things, but I can't like move a kid off my plate. It's not like I can be like, well, sweetheart, I know you want lunch today, but mommy needs to take care of her soul. (laughs) (laughs) So the way that it's changed me is I have really found like a ton of wiggle room in my thought life. Like I've actually been like, could it be that I could have a greater capacity to partner with God, to grow in God, to work with him and alongside him for his kingdom when seven kids 42? I can when my mind gets renewed. I feel like God has really been renewing my mind. That's beautiful. Gosh, that's such a good word. I love that so much. So good. Well, we're excited for this project. I know Jenny's over here devouring it. I'm sure she's going to be like, you need to read this. I'm going to spend You need to read this sure. page right here. Yes. This is the one you need so to read. So good. But, uh, you know, we love to close out every show with these three questions. It goes like this. What's a book that's impacted your journey? What's a habit that's impacted your life and your journey? And then what advice would you give to the younger you? So, Oh, those book? are great questions. Uh, Soul of Shame by Kurt Thompson. Has Soul been, of Shame? Yeah. Have you heard okay. of it? No. It, it was my favorite book in 2018, and I'll probably okay. read it again. It's, he's, he's kind of a researcher, not a theologian. He's a researcher, Christian, um, and talks about the power of shame in forming the way that we see God and the way that we see one another and the power of God to heal shame. It's so good. Nice. I'm going to look that up for sure. All right. You guys should Have get it. him on the podcast. Yeah. Done. Okay. Um, Habit, my husband and I, I don't know how many years ago, started at 9 a.m. Well, now it's 8.45 every day, 30 minutes, where we literally, the sign on the door says, unless your arm is on fire, you may not knock on the door. And we just connect. It's after both of us have had some time with the Lord in the morning, we kind of catch up on, it's not admin. It's not like this kid needs to go here now or this kid, it's, it is like catch up on the heart. It's a check-in for the heart. And then we pray for our day. And it has honestly been way better even than weekly dates. I love our weekly dates. But this like daily 30 minutes, I feel like has been real life giving for our marriage. I love that. That's really good. That's great. What advice would you give to the younger you? I think I would say like all those things that you're feeling are not bad and wrong. Like they actually could be your avenue into intimacy. I think I tried to really talk myself out of my feelings for a long time in my 20s and just move towards producing um, because it felt better to produce than it did to feel. And I think I would look at my younger self and say, hey, give yourself a little bit of the things you keep running from with your schedule and your achievements because they actually might be the thing that connects you the most with God. As a four in the Enneagram, you got to let the feels out, homie. Got to embrace your feelings. And everybody else goes, oh, that's why she said that. Oh, four fours. So, so awesome. <laughs> oh, man. We love the fours. Yeah, me and fours. Yeah. <laughs> we always got to. The seven and the four, you know. Yes. <laughs> we find we find a way to make it happen. It's great. So, hey, uh, thank you so much for being here. Where can people oh, yeah. find you, look up the book, all that good stuff? Uh, the book would be on my website, sarahaygrady.net backslash adore. And uh, I mostly write these days, other than in my book, I write in a newsletter that they can sign up for there. But I also write um, little short bursts on Instagram. I also put my adorations on Instagram, and that's Sarah Hagerty Writes. Okay, perfect. We'll link to all that in the show notes. But this has been such a joy. Thank you. For oh, you guys are great. Sarah. Thank you. All right, take care. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. 
There's a lot going on in our world right now, and we just want you to know that we're praying for you, and there's hope that in the midst of all of this insanity that we can find Jesus, find hope, and lean on Him and His Word. And we'd love to hear how we can pray for you and how these episodes are encouraging you in this season that we're in right now and honestly, any other way that we might be able to help you in this time. You can hit us up over on our website at letsliveitwell.com, leave us a review on iTunes, or come find us on social media. This week, Jenny and I spent some time just kind of sharing what's going on in our life over on our Instagram and over on our Facebook page, uh, things that we've found that are working in the midst of this unprecedented season and things that maybe aren't working. So we'd love to hear what's going on in your world. And as always, guys, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the links mentioned, all the books mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. Well, all right, y'all, that's a wrap for today's episode. We will catch you next week. We're going to close it out like we do every single time. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it well. well.